I think fuck it, let's do it anyway is just kind of the that's pretty well the guiding philosophy of this of this podcast. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to episode 11 of the On Writing and Fan Fiction Podcast. I am your co-host Jake. And I'm Zoe. And you know, last week, or last week, last episode, um, <laughs> we talked about we talked about beginnings. Appropriately, this episode we're going to be talking about endings. We're going to talk about... Yeah, I love uh, how we say, we always say last week. We always say, because like, all the podcasts like, we listen to are like actual professionals and they do this shit on a weekly basis and have like an upload schedule and it's like regimented, whereas we, no sir, we fly yeah. by the seat of our pants. Yeah, we've been busy. We ha- That's that's true, we have. We have for real yeah. busy. But Yeah, specifically making actual money so we have leisure time to do things like this. Yeah, precisely. But today we're going to be talking about uh, how to end a story, but not in like a cheap way. We're going to talk about like the effective ways mm-hmm. of ending a story. We're going to talk about uh, twist endings, uh, how to weave all the threads of your story together, and how maybe sometimes you uh, maybe sometimes you should leave a few uh, you, you should leave a few loose ends if you're going for like a sequel thing, and uh, all that jazz. So I, I, I think I think last episode Zoe you talked about. What's more difficult for you between beginnings and endings? Yeah, I... Huh. Oh no. Do I remember what I said? I think... I mean, if it's a different answer, it's funny. I thought that would be hilarious if I, like, you know, a month later had a different answer to that. I think <laughs> I... <laughs> it's been a little bit since I've listened to episode 10. Yeah. I think I would I think I would have said... Well, it would depend on... So I Like... It would depend on whether the first scene to come to me in the in a story idea is the beginning or the ending. So whatever right. that isn't, that's you, what's harder you, for you me. Find, you find more difficult the opposite of whatever scene comes first to you. Yeah, so I think right. usually stories come to me in the form of endings. And right, so that makes, right. makes beginnings harder. But mm-hmm. it, that's not always the case. So I that's think that's true. what I said last time, and so that's what I'm going to say this time, and I'm sticking with it. That's fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I, I, I do, I like, I find beginnings a lot harder. I like endings a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like endings are, well, endings are kind of a, they're a, they're a double-edged sword, right? Because, like, you know where you want the story to go, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. You know where you want it to mm-hmm. end, so you have an, a clear idea mm-hmm. in mind. The difficulty comes in getting there and putting all the the pieces like textually thematically characteristically in the story so that so the ending that you want sort of has the weight that you want yeah Um, but i generally i i like endings a lot more because it's like it feels it feels like it feels like you're the you're at the end of something and like you've sort of like especially writing right like you've you've sort of like writing is kind of a journey and you've you've come to the end of it by tying all these tying all these threads together yeah, also sometimes the stakes for endings can feel a little bit higher because, you mm-hmm. know, a bad ending can really ruin a, a story, you know, if it just, oh, that's the last thing your your reader, you know, reads and it just, it's, yeah, it can, it's, it can really, really. It is story. of paramount importance that you don't fucking season eight your story. Yeah. Okay, so um, the first topic I have here is how to end a story, but not in... A cheap way yeah so i think one of the biggest things is you don't necessarily want your ending to be so predictable that 
it's boring, right? Mm-hmm. But your reader, so like there's a there's an instinct, I think, to make this sudden twist ending. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, they'll never they'll never have seen that much, they'll never have seen that one coming. Mm-hmm. But you know, contrary to what you might think, sort of the 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 like sort of novitiate idea of like what makes a good ending. Yeah, yeah. So a good ending isn't necessarily the, a good ending. Okay, here's a, I guess here's a, what I'm trying to say is a good ending. While it shouldn't be completely predictable, it should the reader should sort of have an idea of where your story is going. I I, I think a a good way to put it is uh, predictable endings on principle aren't aren't bad. Like if you if you put right. the pieces in place for a, a reader to be like oh man i hope this happens and they guess right it's like oh yeah like w- would you mm-hmm. would we have been uh, w- would we have been upset at the end of avatar the last airbender if uh ang didn't beat ozai would we have been upset at the end of i this is a shitty example because the show's bad but like would we have been upset at the end <laughs> of game of thrones if like Jon snow did so like he became fucking king or whatever instead of bran I'm so sorry. I'm I'm mad about that. I don't know like, enough about I don't know enough about Game of Thrones to I wish, be mad I, about that. But. I wish I, I wish I was you. The point is, if you if you put the threads in there that sort of you you're you're leading towards an ending that the reader can see, and that re- ending mm-hmm. is compelling, then if mm-hmm. if it's predictable, then it, it's not necessarily bad. What you want to avoid is is sort of like a just a formulaic by the numbers ending. Which is a result of yeah. a formulaic by the numbers story. So then the, the the whole thing is just kind of boring. Yeah. There's there's also a, a distinction to be made between like foreshadowing versus like spoilers for your yes. ending. Yes. So foreshadowing is really important, right? Because these are the hints you give during your story that, you know, subconsciously, ideally subconsciously kind of indicate to the reader where everything is going and what pieces are going to fall into place without mm-hmm. saying it explicitly. But you have to, it's kind of a, an art to do that without, you know, explicitly spoiling the ending. Yeah, it's it's the difference between foreshadowing and telegraphing. Yeah. Is telegraphing a technical term? I Yeah, I think so. I mean, I like like in the context of like, uh, like combat sports or something or like fighting, like if you telegraph a move, like you telegraph a punch... With like a specific mm-hmm. movement that you always do, just kind of out of habit before you throw the the, the move out, the technique out. Oh, like a tell, like yeah, like a, a tell, exactly. Okay. Uh, but but telegraph has it, telegraph is, it doesn't only apply to to like UFC or combat sports or some shit. Mm-hmm. Like telegraphing is just like it, it's a tell. It's exactly that. It's you sort of you okay. you, you show your cards too early. Yeah. So like I love it when I'm able to kind of. Have, when I'm reading a story, I love it when I'm, I'm able to kind of have an idea of where of how this is going to end, but I don't mm-hmm. know exactly how it's going to end. Yeah. And so then as everything is coming together at the end, I get really excited um, because all the threads that I've been following through the story are, are coming together. Mm-hmm. And in a way that's, you know, logical and makes sense for the story. Um, yeah. So in some ways it's, it's predictable, but really, I mean, predictability shouldn't really ruin a story if, you know the how of everything is compelling. Yeah, if the, you know if the rest... Of, exactly, yeah. If the rest is compelling, then it's... then If people sort of expect an ending to come... If people are paying attention and they're saying, oh, this seems like where this is going, then, mm-hmm. frankly, you're doing your job right. 
Um, yeah. And if you, if they get the ending that they want, then mm-hmm. then they've gotten what they wanted out of the story. What more can you hope for? Yeah. It, it, like the best the best way to the perhaps maybe an, an instructive way to think about it is like write for the reader that is paying attention. Like mm-hmm. uh, foreshadowing. That's really good advice. Yeah, like for, foreshadowing should never um, should never ever. Well, maybe not never ever. On, generally speaking, <laughs> foreshadowing shouldn't be obvious on the first read-through or something, or the first watch-through or whatever. Um, foreshadowing, mm-hmm. good foreshadowing is the kind of, uh, like, the pieces are there, and once someone goes through on a, a, a second on a second read, they're like, oh, that's what that was going for. Because um, on the first read-through, mm-hmm. you're just sort of sub- subconsciously planting those seeds. And mm-hmm. if a reader is paying close attention, they might even pick up on them on their first or their first go through. Yeah, well, so that's like the great thing about really good foreshadowing is that like that means people can go back and reread and actually get new More things out of, it. out of yeah. it. Yeah, because when you sometimes when you know where a story is going, you can like pick out more mm-hmm. um, on your second read through or second watch or whatever. Yeah, and you can be and you can so, do uh, like thematic foreshadowing, for example. Like if you're doing mm-hmm. sort of like what's what's an example? So I, I've been I've been listening to there, there's this band called Brothers of Metal, and they have an, an album called The Emblos Saga, and it's just like all fucking Norse mythology, like fantasy Viking metal. It fucking rules. But it, it's just sort of so I, I've had that on the brain lately. So like, l- let's say you have a, a, a character that is sort of like a, a, an analog to Fenrir, and their story is like sort of an analog to the Binding of Fenrir, where sort of like once once he's breaks his fetters, he like en- he, like you know he ends the world, like he 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 ushers in Ragnarok or whatever, right? Let's say mm-hmm. you have a character who sort of they're they're like betrayed and fucking locked up by you know people that they you know like once trusted and then once once they break loose all hell breaks loose with them like you mm-hmm. what you can do is if you are sort of constructing an analog to some some like saga in Norse mythology uh have uh, metaphors in your story that are that reference North mythology have themes and stuff like that, like place names, character names that that are that sort of hearken to North mythology, like thematically foreshadow sort of where your character is going to end up. And, mm-hmm. and like, what's what's another like that? That might be kind of a, a shitty, like a weird example, but like, what's a, what's a really <laughs> good example? Like the Lion Turtle and Avatar again. Like we, like Zoe and I come back to that show a lot because it's we. That's that's how we became friends. Is we both like the show a lot, and also it's just a fucking yeah. amazing show. Like ten out of ten. Uh, it's, it's a, yeah, something we have in common. So yeah, exactly. The Lion Turtle at the end of that show is is heavily thematically foreshadowed throughout yeah. that show. Um, yeah, and and it, it's it, it that shows foreshadowing is so great because. The first time I watched it, I watched that in not ideal conditions because I blitzed through the entire show in three days. So I missed yeah. some shit. But mm-hmm. at the end of that, the lion turtle sort of appears and I'm like, eh, that kind of feels like it came out of nowhere. And then I thought about it more than not at all. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that was actually fucking great. Like, it's foreshadowed yeah. in the library episode where, like, they find scrolls, like, depicting this ancient yeah. creature and shit like that. There's mo- there's visual yeah, motifs of lion turtles all over the place and, like, energy bending and shit like that. It's thematically yeah. it's foreshadowed. foreshadowed. 
it's foreshadowed by almost by the whole conceit of the show. If you exactly. Anything about sort of um, the Asian inspired mythology and traditions that show is based around because in, in, I think it's in Southeast or like Indian sort of mythology, the world uh, is on the back of a, a turtle, right? Oh, right on. So yeah, that that sounds that that sounds familiar, but I'm so not the, sure so what turtles. That, so turtles are these. From. So turtles are these like primordial beings, right? And so the yeah. lion turtle in Avatar is this primordial being that has been something that has been around since the beginning of exactly. Like, the world. And in Avatar is a pan Asian show. It it, it draws elements yeah. from Japanese culture, Buddhist mm-hmm. culture, Indian culture, mm-hmm. Chinese culture, like all all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it it makes sense that there those elements are there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's like that's that's a great point. Like sort of the whole conceit of the show, like the, the the show's kind of like entire sort of central thrust, the show's like characters, like the the fundamental pieces that make that show what it is, mm-hmm. foreshadow what the ending is going to be. And you don't, but you yeah. it, they foreshadow it, but you still don't see it coming. But you get there, and you're yeah, like, so th- oh fuck. That <laughs> So that's what makes it a little bit of a twist, and and that's what makes twist endings really hard, because if you write a whole story, and then, without really thinking about what the ending is going to be, and then at the end of writing the story, you think, oh, I'm going to make this a twist ending, and then you write something, like, completely out of the blue. Mm -hmm. That's going to feel really, it's not going to be very satisfying, probably. So twist endings actually have to be more heavily and more carefully foreshadowed than regular endings, because Mm -hmm. I think... I read once that twist endings, instead of coming out of, seem to come out of nowhere, they should actually suddenly resolve a, a lot of things that seemed unresolved. Yeah, there should sort of be this. In a different way should, before. There should be this like sundering moment of realization where you're like, oh fuck, that's yeah. what that meant back in like chapter two. Yeah, yeah. So twist endings should be a lot of things mm-hmm. coming together that you didn't realize were would come together. Yeah, I I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that there's sort of like there's kind of like a fetishization of subversion of expectations in a lot of probably Western media. And it's like, that's not like being like being just like completely inchoate and incomprehensible and like unguessable is not like the peak of storytelling. It's not some like, yeah narrative aspiration it's stupid shock value is fucking dumb like it's 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 okay i was gonna gonna say shock i was gonna say shock value is overrated but it's overrated go off jake well well, because it's it's i mean but it is right because it's like it it, all shock value is there for is for that one pop for that Mm -hmm. that one like that one just fucking gimme gotcha moment Mm-hmm. Where it's where like you get the audience who like they they say whoa and then beyond that it's it it there's it's just complete it rings yeah. totally hollow. But like, if you're but if you're writing yeah but if you're writing a compelling story then they'll be saying whoa the whole time. Exactly. It's like you you gotta go for the long game and the you know mm-hmm. the more lasting satisfaction. Yeah, like the the I don't actually know your 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 thoughts on this film. I don't know if we've talked about it, but like the one that people rag on a lot is The Last Jedi. Like, Ryan Johnson, the director, like, sort of talked about how much he wanted to subvert expectations. And that movie ended up getting really panned. Yes. Because um, it's just kind of incomprehensible. I enjoyed The Last Jedi when I saw it. 
it's visually very striking. I, I don't I don't particularly like that movie a yeah. whole lot, but all the sequel movies like they're like visually they're they're really like apparently especially Rise of whatever what the fuck is the last one? Rise of Skywalker, Rise of Palpatine, whatever the fuck. Apparently Rise that of Skywalker. I don't really yeah, yeah, the Rise of Skywalker. Okay, yeah, yeah, Rise of Skywalker. I, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently, I haven't seen that, but my brother's seen it, and apparently, it's like the most visually like stunning and distinct of the sequel trilogy, and it's actually his favorite of oh. those movies for that reason alone. So I'm like, right oh, on, right I on. I remember I remember um, the Last that, Jedi much better than I remember. I remember The Last Jedi much better than I remember The Rise of Skywalker, and I think mm-hmm. I like The Last Jedi more. Sort of because it sort of it subverted my expectations a little bit, just because the only thing when I was watching the first of the sequel trilogy, I was like, oh, this is just kind of the same plot. Yeah. And as, I think as A New Hope. Um, not that that was bad, but I just, it was like, to me, it felt a little bit predictable. But I really liked The Last Jedi because I wasn't expecting a lot of the. Um, I wasn't really expecting a lot of the turns it it took, and I I really kind yeah. of like that aspect of That's that fair. of it. And I um, yeah, I have a couple unpopular opinions about the Last Jedi that maybe we won't get into. That's fair. Yeah, um, we don't want. But I enjoyed it. We don't and, want to get the Star Wars crowd on us. God, we really not, don't really. So um, although I will be mentioning other Star Wars movies later in this episode. Sure. So yeah, I don't actually really remember what happened in the Rise of Skywalker. So that I haven't seen it because I speaks I, to. Because I fucking hate those movies. I think they're stupid, so I don't... Well, that's offensive to me as a Star Wars fan, Jake. I mean, I like <laughs> I like Star Wars, too. I like it a lot. It's just, like, no matter what, whether you love it or hate it, you it, or have never seen it before, you have to have yeah, an opinion. Got, you have to have an opinion on Star Wars. You have to, because it's so... It, it, it's, it's just, like, so ingrained in the cultural consciousness that like well there must be something about it that generally speaks to people i don't know we're getting really off topic this isn't a star wars podcast we'll have a star please we'll, don't we'll, be offended by jake's opinions if you love star wars we'll make one of the, I, um, look I man i love star wars too you well yeah. i love it okay. i like it enough that i want the best for it sure all right <laughs> and that's okay. why I, that's why i criticize it because i wanted to do better all right <laughs> Moving on. Let's move. Let's move on. I might cut some of that because no, I'll leave it. It's fine. We we went on. Anyway, next topic. So what you want your ending to do is sort of resolve a lot of all or a lot of the threads that you have built up in your story. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to. I didn't write this in the outline, but I I was also kind of wanting to use this topic to get your opinion, Jake, on ambiguous endings. Which, personally, I love, as you may or may not know. I love writing ambiguous endings, which is kind of not resolving all of the threads, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, Um, I I, I think, I I think, like, by no means do you have to have this complete, neat and tidy, like, all your fucking I's are dotted, your T's are crossed, like, all your corners are squared. You don't need an ending to resolve literally every single thread you have weaved into the story. It's like, you can... And sh- arguably should leave some stuff up to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Because then it leaves, it, it, you know, leaves people somewhere to go. Um, yeah, it gives people something to think about. I think you do have to be careful about what you choose to resolve and what you choose to not resolve. Because you ha- you should resolve the main conflict of your story. Like, if you course. have identified, like, you should be able to identify the main conflict of your story. And you should resolve that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to leave anything unresolved, you know, there obviously 
other threads. Mm-hmm. If like um, if there's the if a character has if a character's like primary trait is sort of that they have trouble resolving some inner turmoil, it mm-hmm. it might actually be pretty compelling to leave that unresolved because of that. Well, in that scenario, I would say you wouldn't maybe want to completely resolve it, but you should show. So you should show obvious improvement. Yeah, show some from yeah, the exactly. beginning to the end. Yeah, no. Because yeah, yeah. I think I've talked about this before, a uh, sort of metaphor of like your character's, you know, mental state. At the beginning of the story, your character is just underwater. At the end of the story, your character should be just above water. Mm. Metaphorically speaking. So yeah, that's a pretty which, weird thing about it, I you think. know, which 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 is just to say that things don't have to change a lot distance wise metaphorical distance wise Mm -hmm. from the beginning to end of your story but they should change significantly like your character if your character is just underwater at the beginning and then just above water at the end like they haven't moved a lot physically but they can breathe throughout the course of your story yeah but it's but it is a significant change because you've 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 changed from being underwater to being above water exactly um yeah Um, they can breathe now like you said all is to say like there's reasons to leave some stuff resolved or, or unresolved, rather. Like, there's, you, you mm-hmm. can, if you sort of, like, if you do it well, and that's sort of the case for pretty much anything in, in storytelling. It's like, you can, there's no hard and fast rules. You can, provided it's done well, you can pretty well do anything. Um, mm-hmm. But if there's sort of like a, a, a thematic precedent for something being left unresolved, it might work mm-hmm. out to leave it unresolved. Yeah, you have to, I think the tricky thing is you have to leave things unresolved in a way that your reader that will make your reader think about you know it leaves them something to chew on but you don't want to like leave your reader unsatisfied yes like i think there's i've i've read um i've workshopped you know drafts of stories where it ends and i'm I'm like this doesn't feel like the ending like it feels like you have not finished the story feels really unfinished right and you don't want to give the reader that feeling that things aren't finished like Mm -hmm. You want to give the reader that ending and then, you know, think about not really what could happen next, but, um... I, I, I think you could think about it in terms of what could happen next. Like, it, it, like what, could ha- what could happen next in terms of these characters' lives? Like, even if there isn't, like, like say it's, like, you know, the last book in a trilogy or it's just a standalone book. Like, there, there, you could think about it in terms of what happens next for these characters in this world not necessarily what happens next in like another installment or something like if there's if there's room to sort of grow and uh like interpret where the characters might take themselves next that's compelling it's like there's 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 room there to sort of ruminate on you know the character has come this far and here they are at the end of their journey where where would they go next i guess how we're at you know how how have the events of the story gonna have ripple effects on the rest of the characters' lives? Um, yeah, exactly. What do you do, Jake, when you like are struggling to find the ending of the story? That's a that's a good question. I don't know. I guess I I I, I try to think of like what are all the pieces that I have so far, and what is their logical conclusion? I I think we'd we'd fucking all we'd all argue that like you know the best stories are character driven what ending best serves the characters and like sort of best yeah so how do you find how do you find how do you think of what ending best serves your character yeah you just you you have to (laughs) you have to it's it's kind of a meditation you have to think on sort of like what 
where you want them to go and sort of like what you've constructed for them thus far. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that word meditation. I think sometimes it helps me to think to like, you know, close the computer or whatever I'm using to write and just mm-hmm. sit there and, and meditate on, on yeah, the characters. True. What else? Um, I think what I also do to find endings is I reread the beginning. Yeah. Because the beginning is usually where I've set up. And I think this is like, I really, I highly suggest this if you're ever struggling to find the ending of a story is to reread the beginning. Um, because the beginning is where you consciously or unconsciously sort of set up your main conflict, ideally. Mm-hmm. So that will help you identify, ah, this is the main conflict. Um, and these are, this is what needs to be resolved kind yeah. of in one sentence at the end. I think I'm a sucker for like an ending scene, which is almost exactly the same as a beginning scene, but with right. like one difference that shows how much the character has grown. I don't know. I'm just I'm a huge sucker for ending. No, like I feel that. that. I feel that. Well, cause it's, it's your, you've come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. I love coming full circle. And it also shows, it's also, it can be this great contrast and like, you know, what hasn't changed throughout the course of the story. Like some things haven't changed, but you know, mm-hmm. this one important critical thing has. Yeah, for it can, sure. It can just be so meaningful. Yeah, no, totally. I really like things um, like that. So with fan fiction, it, ki- it can be easy to kind of write yourself into a corner because very, most, I would argue most people probably upload stories by chapter. They don't, they probably mm-hmm. don't they might have a plan for it but they don't write mm-hmm. it all out before they start uploading i know you do that mm-hmm. commonly right uh I, I outline it all out before yeah, i you, start uploading right so, so i know so i know where it's going basically yeah. when i start uploading i do know where it's going mm-hmm. and it's because of this reason because i don't want to have to i don't write myself into a corner you know yeah, exactly. find the ending of the story realize it's a different i want to resolve a different conflict than i set up and then yeah, have to exactly. go back and change yeah precisely the initial so chapters if you if you have the entire story written out beginning to end before mm-hmm. you even start uploading mm-hmm. even if it's like a if it's just a first draft get the first draft written even if it's bad, let it be bad. That's what first drafts are for. And then edit it, right? If you have the full thing done, then like it, it's it's full yeah. circle, it's complete. You that would have... be that would be a real feat of that would be a real feat as a fanfiction writer to No, it would. It's it's thing. Yeah, no, for, and, and I, that I, and that might not I necessarily think... work for everybody. No, I think I think you know, uh, you know, a better goal to aim for is when you you don't even have to write it down. But if you, you know, you have the story and you want to start uploading it, but you only have the first chapter written, just give like a couple minutes to think about where you want the story to end. And if this beginning is going to serve that ending, mm-hmm. just think about it because the, I mean, the danger of uploading something that you, where you have no idea where it's going is you're going to find that the beginning no longer, that beginning no longer serves your ending. And yeah. that beginning is now going to force you into writing an ending that, you don't want to write. Yeah, you've you've um, sort of you've painted yourself so, into a corner. Yeah, I guess that's what we're saying. I I wouldn't. I don't know. It's really hard because fan fiction is. Yeah, you don't. You no know, one's d- paying you to do this, and like you really are fed by comments, so you want to upload. You yeah, know, exactly. As you're kind of writing it to keep you motivated. So mm-hmm. yeah, just um just be aware when you start uploading if you don't know where it's going. Yeah. You might have a problem. With yeah, even 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 if you don't even if you don't write the entire thing out like that might yeah that that works that works for some people it works for me that might not yeah. work for everybody um yeah well so i but, i don't start posting the story until i have thought of the ending yeah so <laughs> I like, don't know how it's just, gonna end is this gonna be a viable thing yeah exactly so like don't sort of don't let your uh your 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 uh what the fuck is the word i'm trying to think of don't let your 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 
enthusiasm through that don't forego the act of preparation think yeah. about what this is th also at least think about where you want the story to go before mm -hmm. like before you start sort of committing anything to stone because then if, mm -hmm. if, if if you've written yourself into a corner then it's like well shit now i need to go back and edit the chapters that are already up so that this makes sense because any other ending would be kind of lame so you like you don't you don't want to put yourself in that scenario yeah, so I think this is going to help you if you are, you know, afraid that if you start posting something, you're not going to, you're going to run, run out of energy before you finish it. But if you think yeah. of the ending before you start posting, if you know you're, if you have something to work towards, then I think you're a little bit less likely to run out of steam. Yeah, for sure. Before you finish it. Because I know everyone, no one wants to be that person who just abandons a work. It feels really crappy to just abandon something. Yeah, super like, oh, man. Speaking of that, what's an ending that could ruin your story? Yeah, so here are some like, what's the I, worst thing I just you wanted do? to Well so here are a couple things that um aren't necessarily like the worst thing that you could ever do, but they can be it's really easy to write these kinds of endings badly. So yeah. that you know, they're the kind of really cheap endings where everyone dies, or the main character dies, or it was all a dream. Now it was all a dream is particularly I think is the worst one because it's really hard to write it was all a dream and not just have the reader feel like, oh, why did I just read all this? Because if none of it actually happened in the context of the world, then what the fuck did I waste my time for? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you're going to write It Was All a Dream, like, you need to be, like, really solid on and kind of explicit about, you know, how has this dream substantially changed your character? Yeah. But then the issue with that is, like, oh, well, that's too easy. If it's all it takes is a dream to substantially change my character, mm -hmm. then... You know what? What the heck? Yeah, exactly. Um, and like was, the everyone dies ending, the everyone dies ending is like kind of a gimme because it, like there's sort of there's inherent gravitas to like killing a character, mm -hmm. but that alone isn't enough to sort of send your story yeah. off. Yeah, I think I think everyone dies can be written as it's easier to write everyone dies in a way that is meaningful than it was all a dream. Sure, yeah, like look at so, fucking um, look at not to bring up Star Wars again, but look up Star Wars, look up Rogue, or look up, look at Rogue One. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking of Rogue One. I really like Rogue One; it's probably my favorite Star Wars movie. Sure, it's um, a really good one. And everyone, everyone, spoiler alert: everyone dies in the end of that, but it's not an unsatisfying ending, mm -hmm. you know. Um, like, the characters you can tell have substantially changed in themselves by the time they die. And it's not their death that indicates how they have changed. It's, you know, the very last things they do indicate how they've changed over the course of the movie. Yeah. And that's what makes it meaningful. And their deaths, you know, are tragic because of the other plot points. Their deaths don't feel wasted. They feel exactly. like, you know, they've no, given their lives for something. So... Like, Halo, the reason I bring up Halo Reach alongside that is because Halo Reach is literally the exact same story as Rogue One. Like, literally <laughs> the exact... Like, beat for beat. Like, they're, they they are mm -hmm. the same story. Halo Reach is kind of weird, because, like, in the in the overall canon of Halo, like, it actually kind of, like, fucks the story up. But, it, it like, in sort of the vacuum of, like, the game itself, that story is really compelling, because it's telling a story that, from the beginning, you know how it ends. And, and all the characters know how this is going to end, too. In the backs of the, like they may be fighting, but in the backs of their minds, they know that like this is kind of hopeless, but they fight on, and that's really endearing, and that's really sort of arresting and compelling. It's like no matter what you you fight, knowing that you might give someone else a chance. Like that's 
and that's what Rogue One's about too. If that is sort of like your the axis pole of your story, like that's sort of its central thrust, that's its theme, like its thesis, then an mm. everyone dies ending can be really, really impactful because it's like these characters spent this entire well, story. Well, because it's foreshadowed. It's foreshadowed, yeah. yeah. It's and for- these, it should, like yeah. from the very beginning, you know how the story ends, but the characters mm. fight anyway and like as the story yeah. progresses they steadily get whittled off and whittled off and picked mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. like in halo mm-hmm. reach like like there's six of you there's six of you and as the story mm-hmm. progresses more and more of you, you your team gets smaller and smaller and smaller because they all fucking die they get picked off and the last dude the, the last guy that's with you he gets like he's he's fighting these aliens these elites and he shotguns one dead another one comes up behind him and stabs him through the back and like lifts him off the ground with his sword and like as he's impaled on mm-hmm. the dude's sword, he pulls his knife. Uh, pulls he pulls a knife out of a sheath on his shoulder plate and stabs it into the dude's neck behind him. And he's and he says, "I'm ready. How about you?" And he like tackles this thing to the ground as he's like as his life like ebbs from him. It's a super badass moment. It, it's also like that last one. He's like, "Oh, you're you're all alone now. Like by the end of the game, you are the last member of your team, and your final subjective objective is. It's kind of a meme now, but." Like, in the very last mission, your very last objective reads, Objective Survive. And it's just a foregone conclusion that you, in the game, you just shoot as many dudes until you die, and then the game ends, because you die. But it's it's super... Even though you know from the beginning how it's all going to end, like, these characters are spending this entire the duration of this entire story watching their friends get picked off. And watching the planet sort of like get turned to glass around them, and they fight anyway. That's that's tragic and beautiful and really compelling. So mm-hmm. there is a way about, to do everyone dies at the end, yeah. really, really think, well. Yeah, it's a little bit less common to do that in fan fiction. I think where yes. you want to be a little bit more self indulgent, and you want to be, um, and readers are kind of going to fan fiction usually for something, if not uplifting, like not something totally depressing. Yeah, I think, you know, everyone dies in fan fiction should always be tagged, you know, major character death, um, mm-hmm. because lots of people will filter that out. So I think I know a couple of fics where everyone dies at the end and it's a little bit unexpected and it's not tagged and people get really mad mm. in the comments at the end. Even if it was, you could argue, adequately foreshadowed and, and, and meaningful, um, people reading fan fiction for purposes not to be super depressed might feel a little bit cheated, so... You write mm-hmm. everyone dies in fan fiction, tag it major character death because yes, you just want people to be prepared and it will save you hate in comments. <laughs> yeah, no, you want to, you want to give people you want to give people fair warning. That's true. All this to say, it's it, it can be easy. It it feels sort of easy to just go with like the the ending of oh everyone dies, uh, gravitas. It's like all the characters that you know are dead. Blah, but it's like okay, well if you didn't build to that somehow if you didn't mm-hmm. foreshadow that then it's like okay well everyone mm-hmm. i'd like just fucking died in what for yeah and honestly um foreshadowing death is super fun sure like it's great i don't know about you but i love when i on the rare occasions when i've written major character death fix like i love foreshadowing death there's just so many metaphors out there there's just so many like different sorts of hints you can drop like i love contemplations of mortality yeah like, yeah nothing and de- there's nothing better need- and and like a, a like a character's death should sort of be be given the 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 time and space to build that it, that it deserves. Like if you're gonna kill mm-hmm. a character, it it should be 
for a very specific reason. Like, I, I we keep going back to fucking Star Wars, but, like, Obi-Wan in A New Hope, he had to die for Luke mm-hmm. to sort of figure the fuck out Mm-hmm. his his deal right like he they obi-wan mm-hmm. and, and, obi-wan, and obi-wan himself knew that he gave his life because he knew mm-hmm. this is what would this is what will uh galvanize luke it's what will galvanize this character yeah, to complete also, the journey that also, i know them, um, that i know they need to do yeah that's also a little bit of a hero cycle component because you you always want to get rid of the mentor character and the hero cycle before the hero has to face his final test yeah um because then the hero can face his final test alone Sorry to bring up Harry Potter, but that's why Dumbledore has to die. You're right. It's for, it's for for hero cycle purposes. Disregarding other issues with Harry Potter, that's like just another example of sure, sure. purposeful death for you know. Yeah, purposeful, story. purposeful, purposeful um, death is a, is a good way to put it. Don't yeah, just kill so, your characters um, for shock value. Kill them because their yeah, death carry yeah, their to, death would make waves in the world. Yeah, there have their death has to be for a reason, and then that's part of kind of making your ending satisfying. So, you know, at the end, you know, this character is dead, but the the world is different in all these ways, significant ways, because of that death. And that means, that makes their death feel earned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, like, there's add for a reason. And that's, and that might be an easy trap to fall into, in which, like, you, you kill one character for another character's development. Like, that's a very common thing that fucking sucks. Because um, it's usually done poorly. But... You know, if if it's not just done right at the beginning of a story, like in fucking in fucking Pacific Rim Uprising, like they kill, what the hell's her character's name? She's in the first. She's like a super. She's like one of the main characters of the first movie. Like there's like in Hollywood, it's super common to just like kill a character for kill a, a female character for another character's like male man pain, which is like that's fucking because like those those fucking stories are never done well anyway. So it's like it it can be an easy trap to fall into in in of just, like, killing a character for another one's development. But if you've given the character that you plan to kill, if you've given them screen time, if you've given them time on the page to develop and sort of be their own person, and you you kill them at, like, a really, really pivotal moment, then it's mm-hmm. important, right? Then it's like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. how the fuck are we going to move on from this? This is super bad. Like, it, it has more... It, it makes more ripples in the story than just, oh, it made this character sad. It's like, no, this is, this has, like, serious, serious implications on the rest of the narrative. Because like, if you have one character that's sort of like, you're, there's one character that, it, they're the only one powerful enough to stop the main bad guy, for example, right? <laughs> and you take their mentor figure away from them at a pivotal point, they're like, you have emotionally crippled, you have broken this character who's kind of our only hope, like, that's fucking pretty serious. So, like, it has to happen at at, at, a, at a, an important, purposeful, intentional time. It can't just be like, oh, we, we this is the inciting incident for the story, because, like, well, it can be, but that's just kind of boring, because it's been, like, done, like, a million fucking times. It's like, <laughs> Jake, you... Jake isn't, Jake isn't for the, um, the opening with the death of, with the death trope. Which can feel a little overdone, but it is a very good inciting incident. If you're sure, looking for an inciting incident, like it's good. Nothing, it's nothing, good. Ain't nothing better. But and that's and that can be hard to do too, right at the beginning, because it's like you have to ingratiate the audience to a character first for them to actually give a shit about them dying. Like, it, like how many fucking times? Yeah. How many stories are there where it's like you just have some like edgy dude bro who's like, uh, my wife was taken from me by the the the. 
Ubinu Goo, the bad guys. It's like, well, I don't, I don't, I, your wife was on the fucking screen for like five minutes because the writers couldn't be fucked to. Well, yeah, so you gotta, you gotta make, so this is like, this is where like usually um, flashbacks are employed to make uh, the, the readers care about this relationship that was ended, that has ended before the story began. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in, in today's media, this, this trope is overdone. Not that, you, to me, like you can't, it's not like you can't do it, um, mm -hmm. but it's it's done a lot, and it it's it's often it's it can be done in, in really kind of sexist ways. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta think hard about that one, and there's there's not a lot that you can't do in writing just on principle. There's not a lot that you can't. Yeah. Yeah. But there is, but all of it you should do intentionally with with clear purpose and intent behind it. Like there, you, and, yeah. and, and you should give every element of your story, like sort of the time on the page that it needs to develop because otherwise it's just mm -hmm. not, it's not going to feel earned. Like if, like I said, mm -hmm. like if, if, like we've been talking about, like if you just kill a character five minutes in that we met five minutes ago, it's like, okay, well I, I didn't, I didn't know them long enough to give a shit. So it's like, why, why yeah. am I supposed, how do I, how can I empathize with this? I mean, I can empathize, but like, how can I yeah. put myself in the shoes of this character? Cause it's like, all right, yeah. well, well, like, like I said, an... the answer the answer to that is is, is flashbacks. Yeah, the answer is um, flashbacks. Yeah, it's because it's like um, it's like yeah, it's easy to imagine like how upset I would be yeah. if someone close to me died. But it's like well, the other thing is um so you know when you're opening with a death, you have to you can't make that death your main conflict because unless you do something really cheap, mm -hmm. like bring them back to life at the end, yeah, then first of all, like that's the kind of thing that needs to be foreshadowed, mm -hmm. and um. Second, like, like the de a death is is usually final, mm -hmm. so that's not something. If you if you set that up as your main conflict, that's not something that can be resolved at the end. Yeah. So you you can have a death to kind of motivate the main conflict, and that's what you resolve. But you can't let the the initial tragedy kind of overtake the whole thing. To yeah. The point where like you have a character that's sad at the beginning because their significant their significant other has died. Mm -hmm. At the end of the story, their significant other will still be dead. So, you know, yeah. something else has to change here. Now, there's yeah. there's two there's two stories that do this really well in different ways. The first one is Shadow of the Colossus. That game opens up on your guy, like your little character. You're just in a cutscene. You are transporting a woman. She's not a corpse, but she is, like, she's effectively dead, Right? You tr you you are you're on horseback taking this this woman to this r super super isolated location like this this wide open vale with like a massive bridge leading to a castle in the center of a huge clearing and you lay her on an altar and there's like a bunch of statues featuring the different colossies that you have colossi colossuses colossi colossi that you have <laughs> to kill in order to sort of bring her back to life and that's all conveyed pretty much environmentally pretty much like silently even before all the dialogue happens so it starts off on this character has already died i'm taking them to a place and i'm laying them on an altar like there's clearly some sort of like uh, ritual preternatural significance to her being here so I'm assuming, you know, I'm going to be bringing her back to life at the end of like what I what all of that I've, that I'm meant to do in the game by killing all these massive monsters. So that the conflict there is like it's 
it's compelling because you don't have all the answers yet. It's like, and people come after you. Like later, as the game progresses, like there's there's people from like from your village or your or your town or wherever you came from that are tracking you, and they and they come to to confront you in this this location because what you're doing is it's revealed is like super illegal in this place you're in is like is like super forbidden. So it's like okay, so I'm like there there's this this character is clearly important to the guy that I'm playing. There's usually something taboo about bringing the dead back to life that you have yeah. to overcome if you're going yeah, to like, do that sort exactly. of thing. Exactly. Like, this character is important enough to my character that my character is, is making this, like, pretty arduous journey to this incredibly isolated part of the world. Like, that alone is enough to sort of ingratiate you to the character's play. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, Understood. it also... It also, um, it also um, helps with the problem that you can come up with when you bring people back to life is making death meaningless because it's like, yeah. well, if people come, come back to life, then it doesn't mean anything if anyone dies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, it, and it's, it's, it's <laughs> not, and it's not meaningless because the, the process you go through to bring this woman back to life is insanely fucking difficult. Like you're going around to all corners of this, this like forbidden place and killing these ostensibly peaceful massive monsters that are so old and massive that they creak when they move and there's like moss mm. hanging off them and algae it's fucking rad so it, like it's it, it's like okay you establish that i can bring her back to life but this is but what at what I, cost <laughs> at what cost this is what i have to go through to do it yeah. super compelling yeah. right uh, the other thing that does this really well in like in, in an entirely different tone and fashion is john wick that movie starts off, John Wick's wife has died, and the reason that's compelling is because, like, he gets a, like, she leaves him a dog. Is that how that movie starts? She leaves him a dog, or he gets a dog? Anyway, he has a, he gets a I dog. I haven't seen and John Wick. Those movies fucking rule. There's a dog involved. There's a dog involved. And, and that dog is sort of, the dog represents, like, the last sort of tether john wick has to this woman that he loved it was, it's like the last vestige of this this life that he no that he that he's forced to leave behind because his wife has died and that mm-hmm. dog is then taken from him too so then the rest of the movie is just him going on a rampage because you killed my fucking dog it's like well yeah like even even outside of the dog being like the objective correlative for like his his marriage that was ended too early because like you know his wife died in some tragic circumstances and it's like the and she was kind of like the only reason that he was happy because he's you know as it's revealed he's like has this he has like a a past being like a fucking like mafia hitman dude for like the this like clandestine organization it's a super simple but like really effective way of like making death be an inciting incident because it's like it, it just that the movie is front loaded with like some pretty important details in a pretty organic and in brief way that you're just like you it, it instantly ingratiates you to the character of John Wick. It's like this dude is clearly really sad and bummed out and then his fucking dog dies and then he just redlines. Like that's that's it. That's that's the last fucking straw. Like time to go kill some mobsters. 
And that fucking rules. It's great. The movie's great because of that, because it doesn't it, it doesn't really bill itself as being other than like a fun action movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I now I remember why I didn't watch John Wick is because it opened with the wife dead thing, and I was like, oh, I can't. It's like why, why, why are why is it that women are the only thing standing between? Like, like it's sort of this thing of um, women as sort of domesticators of men, and like yeah, exactly. absent, absent that they go on rampages. Whether yeah. or not the rampages may be justified, like. That's kind of the mm-hmm. the the, and, the underlying like theme or trope yeah, that I and that's I, a and that's find, a very I find difficult to reconcile no it, matter no, how true. well it may be done in the and, movie I and guess. that's a serious yeah. thematic implication that you have to consider yeah. when you write a story because you you have yeah. you have to I mean, you have to take very seriously all the subtextual and thematic certain like consequences of your writing like all the time yeah like let's like why why couldn't they make an action movie like an action movie with the exact same plot as john wick just flipped the gender roles like wouldn't that be more compelling i feel like that would be more compelling yeah i mean it's yeah this is a this is this can be a franchise whenever you're watching like a a kind of like fun action movie is just Mm -hmm. imagine all like everything is exactly the same yeah it wouldn't change every single gender role every single gender role is flipped and wouldn't that be more interesting yeah yeah, exactly. And, I don't and, know. and that's these are and, and things that, I think about when I see the like the ninety millionth action movie yeah. centered around a white man. And obviously that that and obviously that alone isn't enough. It's like we solved sexism. Like that alone isn't going to do it, obviously, but it's still yeah. like th- that simple change does have a lot but of it's like, it I brings want, different implications to the story. Yeah, but it's like I want stupid action movies that are centered around women. Did you see Atomic Blonde? I, I, I haven't, but that movie looks fucking rad. I've seen the stairwell fight. God, that movie looks cool. You should. That's not even like the most amazing fight of the whole yeah. thing. Like you would love Atomic Blonde. Anyway, I would. I, I love Charlize Theron. <laughs> yeah, that movie talk? looks like a rules. Yeah, it's really good. I, I heard the title and I was like. This sounds terrible, but then I saw it and I was yeah. like, "Oh, okay, it's actually good. It just has a stupid title." No, I, I, I kind of, I kind of <laughs> like that though. I like that the movie's like the title is just like kind of goofy and campy. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, no, it's 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 very good. It's very good. Yeah. And if you're looking for action movies around women, you, you know what? Um, oh God, you know what? Fucking action movie, goddamn rules. Fucking the Protector, with fucking Tony Jaw, Tom Yum Gong. So Tom Yum Gong is 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 the is the Thai name of that movie. The protector is like the the American name. That movie uh-huh. is John Wick, but like Tony Jaw's character, who I think his name is Kam, like K H A M, like the bad guys like kidnap his elephant, so he goes uh-huh. and beats all of their asses like super hard, <laughs> and that's all it is. They took my elephant, you fucking bastards. I'm gonna be. There's a scene in that movie, and there's a fight scene in that movie in, that takes place in like one big room, and I I have never seen more broken bones at a single fucking fight scene than in that one movie. He fu- he fucks up like forty guys, and it rules. <laughs> we should do. We should. We'll do an episode with all our favorite. Dude, I could talk for Action. hours about. I know. Scenes. I can already. I can already tell. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. At the end, we're gonna do email time. Yeah, we letter are. Letter time. Letter time. We're gonna do letter time because we got this email from skeptical one, who says that in their opinion, they would want to do email time at the end. So in... we are honoring. We are honoring that. Yes. Yeah, so we are honoring them. We're doing email time at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they wanted to ask about a weird type of inspiration they've encountered in the past. So, 
Have either of you ever read a story that had a great premise or concept to it, only to find the author didn't write it in a way that you would think would do it justice, and then decide to pull a Thanos and do it yourself? Hope everyone gets that Marvel reference. I personally have a couple ideas that I have started like that. I was wondering if I'm just a weirdo or outlier on this. Not at all. And no, you're not. Um, That's so what fan fiction's for. Yeah, so there's a couple actually different ways I was thinking that one could interpret this question. Um, depending, and it, it depends on your source material. So mm -hmm. if you are thinking like you are reading a fan fiction and that fan fiction had a crappy ending, and so I want to rewrite it, like that's a that can be a, a little bit dicey because you don't want to you don't want to just like, like take someone's story like plot point for plot point, rewrite it in your own words to end it the way you want. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do that. It, it might be kind of weird to do it for like another fanfiction author, but mm -hmm. fanfiction as a, a as a practice exists as a response and a reflection to and of yeah. media in general. Like people write yeah, fanfiction so think... because they like engaging with it or they it hasn't fulfilled them in some way. So what I would call this kind of a genre of, of fic is like, quote, fix it fic. So like you're yeah. fixing something that you didn't like. That's a whole genre. So if, if you if your starting material is like a piece of published media, like a show or a TV, mm -hmm. like or a movie or um, a book or a story, like that's one thing. So you'd be writing a fix it fic, and those are incredibly common. Yeah. Like we were talking about Rogue One. It's incredibly common to write a fix it fix of Rogue One in which everyone survives in the end. Not everyone has done this who writes Rogue One fan fiction, but like I've definitely done this. Sure. Just to implicate myself. <laughs> um, so. If you're if you're trying to write a fix it of someone else's fan fiction, I would start by asking permission, you know, in comments or if you can find the author's Tumblr, like on Tumblr or whatever, social media, because, like, plagiarism plagiarism is is kind of common in fan fiction because like we're already stealing, so like you can't steal what's already stolen. But my words are still my own, even if the characters aren't. So right, it would be wrong if someone <laughs> to take my exact story like copying and pasting things and just like changing yeah. the ending. I feel like I'd be really offended if someone did that mm -hmm. for my story, especially without asking. Yeah. So you should ask and then, or, or if you like can't find them or like you don't, you know, you don't want to ask, like you should change the story significantly enough that even though you're essentially writing like a quote, fix it to that fan fiction, like you're writing a very similar story, but with a different ending, like you aren't writing that same story. Like you're changing. You've got to change enough that you're not writing the same thing. Right. Uh, and and as as a personal response to the question is like, have have I ever read a story that had a great premise or concept to it and it didn't really feel fulfilled? I don't generally write fix it fix. But the reason I bring up Star Wars all the fucking time is because Star Wars has a long history of having all the pieces on the table to do something truly fucking galaxy brain and just taking a fucking shit on the tablecloth at the last <laughs> moment. It, th that That's that's what I mean. A, a, a story that had a great concept to it or a great premise that the author didn't write in a way I think would do it justice. The fucking Mandalorian. Have you seen the finale for season two of The Mandalorian? For season two? Season season two. There are two seasons of The Mandalorian? Sure are. Oh. I don't know. I think I actually have, but that's the only episode I've seen. So I have no really... If I, that's I, the I, so only I, episode you've seen, then... 
Well, I mean, it can only go up from there because the season two finale is the worst fucking garbage of that entire show. I it's... didn't think it was bad. Luke Skywalker showed up. He so fucking why? He doesn't. They don't even name him. They're, he just shows up but because remember but Star just... Wars. But yeah, that's awesome. I don't know. I thought it was cool. It's, like it's like, it's, coming it's like in. why the fuck? Why? In the, in the, Beca- because well, isn't that the whole point anyway? To get the, the little baby Yoda to like someone who could train him? Like, that, yeah, like but who like, better to train him than Luke Skywalker? But, but it's like... I don't the, 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 no, okay, so, hold on. So the episode prior, they do some shit with Mando, with Din Djarin, taking his mask off in front of like a bunch of stormtroopers and that is existentially terrifying for him and pedro pascal does an amazing job depicting it like super subtly it's really great that episode is fucking so intelligent it does such a good job and like the next episode he like just takes he takes his mask off in a room full of people he doesn't really trust again for kind of no reason. He takes it off in front of, like, Luke Skywalker, who, again, they don't name. They're just like, oh, you, the audience knows who Luke Skywalker is. Like, they, Din doesn't even ask him his fucking name. He just readily hands the kid over, and at that point, Din, as a character, has effectively emotionally died. Because, like, it, it, the show is about the relationship those between those two characters as like sort of as baby Yoda is like a, a like a, a sounding board for for Din to kind of like meditate on his own sort of like identity as a Mandalorian and like that he just readily hands him off to a person he doesn't know whose name he does not ask like it it just it's it, like what what so so while Jake hasn't done this <laughs> Clearly, Jake has had the inclination. So, skeptical one, you're not alone. You're not um, alone. Just if you're just if you're talking about if the story you're talking about is someone else's fan fiction, I would just be a little bit careful. But if the story is because... like a, a is like a fucking is some like multimedia franchise, like most like most fan fiction sort of like you know spawns out of fucking go for it. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, then definitely, definitely do that. And I have... Yeah. I have Rip Disney the fuck off. Who cares about them? So, so we probably should have prefaced that yeah. with, like, Mando Season 2 spoilers. But whatever, that fucking show's been out for, like, hour long. We'll put these... All spoilers will be in the show notes. Yeah. I want to timestamp so, them, too. All right, you better do that. I'm not doing that. So thank you for your email, Skeptical Thank you very much. One. It was a great question. Um, we, yeah, we really enjoy hearing from you guys. Uh, I was just, yeah, all pleasantly surprised to see an email. And we... So to wrap up, we want to thank... Kira, as always, for being our really awesome social media manager. And check us out on Instagram at OWFF underscore podcast, which is managed by her. And send send your fan mail to OWFFpod at gmail.com. We will do mail time at the end, maybe, or at the beginning if you request Clearly, we'll do whatever you want. So. I, I, th- I think we should we should probably, we should carve out a segment. I, I, let's, I say we do it at the end. We should carve out a segment okay. for it. Okay, just, so we're gonna from now on be doing email time at the end. Henceforth, um, email time shall be our conclusive segment. Yeah, if you if you send us emails, if we have emails at owffpod at gmail.com. And you're expecting it to and, be read at the beginning, guess again, bucko. And um, we're saving that shit. Please, please rate, review, um, or subscribe wherever you're listening. And we will see you next time. 
we'll catch you guys around. Thanks for listening. Hope you learned something. Well, I don't really mind occasional background noise. That's what yeah, gives our like, show character. Exactly. It's it's a little it, it humanizes us cuz you know, otherwise we're yeah. just fucking voices. But when you hear my chair, <laughs> you know that you know, yeah. that I am in fact I, I do exist in the meat space. <laughs>